Hey, this is Chris with Cozy Apps. You're listening to the App Guy Podcast. The App Guy Podcast. Straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy. Sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. And now, Paul, the App Guy. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy Podcast. I am your host, it's Paul Kemp, and I have been uh, literally charged with the uh, the mission to bring you very inspiring guests, guests that can make a change or help make a change in your life. So if you are now working and listening to this and you're wanting to know what it's like to be in this entrepreneurial startup community uh, involved in apps and all wonderful uh, industry that we we working in in mobile then this is the podcast for you so stay tuned i have a very interesting guest Uh, he comes on the back of only two episodes ago we were talking about uh, the soccer app and uh, i thought it's just worth um, getting a u.s perspective on what they're doing over there so i have frank vitterini and he is the ceo of u stadium it's an app you can go and download it look look for it and uh, it's an awesome sports community app that specializes in fan camaraderie and i've read that on his uh, website so frank uh, all the best and welcome to the app guy podcast thanks so much for having me on paul i appreciate the uh the opportunity to come on and uh and talk about apps and business and uh, entrepreneurship and uh yeah you uh stadium i think it's a uh I think what you're doing is great. So thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for coming on. Now, you know, at the end, of it, we could, we're going to talk about your app, but I wouldn't mind starting just learning about you. Uh, you sound like a really passionate, pumped up entrepreneur. Uh, you, you sound like you really love this business. Perhaps you can give us uh, in a, the first few minutes, that, you know, your story and, and how you came to love entrepreneurship. Yeah, definitely. Um, so... <sighs> When I was in uh, when I was in college, I went to uh, Colgate University, which is a school in the uh, in the middle of of New York. Um, very cold, I should add. Um, I played football at Colgate, and um, you know, I uh, I found throughout my time there that um, structure, a lot of structure, wasn't what I loved as a person. I mean, I like structure, but I don't love structure. And I found that being in school and having a, a, a rigid schedule and being on the football team and having a, you know, a, you know, more so of a, of a rigid schedule playing football that it provided a lot of structure into my being as a person and didn't really allow me to be as creative at times as I may have wanted to be. Um, I'm sure Colgate's not a big fan of, of, of that, uh, of that, uh, little soundbite, but, um, what I wanted to do was I wanted to build something um, that allowed me as an individual to set my own parameters and to allow me to test myself as a, uh, as a person. And um, I really wanted to, to do something that was really challenging and something that I knew that if I could accomplish would be able to change the world in a sense. Um, I didn't like necessarily being told um, – you know, you have to wake up and go to class at 10 a.m. and you have, you know, f- football practice at 1230 and then you have to do this and this and this. And then, you know, the whole thought is when you leave college, you sort of keep this same um, you sort of keep the same uh, thought process into your career. And, you you know, you go get a nine to five job and you have a boss who tells you what time, you know, you need to get into work and show up at this time. And I said, you know what, this isn't for me. Um, the whole system, I, I call it, wasn't something I wanted to really embrace, um, for my entire being. So when I graduated from college, 
um, with this idea that I want to do something that you know isn't on a time scale, isn't based on um, a schedule necessarily, but something that allows me to be creative. And I want to build something from start to finish. If it's going to take me two years, it takes me two years. If it's going to take me a weekend, um, like Instagram, for example, was built in relatively a short amount of time, uh, you know, I'll use the weekend and I'll make something happen. And I wanted to do something in sports because I loved sports. So um, when I got out of college, I started a, a sports blog. And, you know, the important thing is that when you start something, you really want to make sure that you have some support either um, on your team or outside, um, potentially some, um, you know, some sort of sponsor of some sort. But um, I wanted to start building a team off the bat. So I had, you know, reached out to one of my friends who was interning at a sports company called WFAN. They're actually the world's first 24-hour sports broadcast station in New York. Um, and uh, he wanted to start this blog with myself. And when we started blogging, we eventually saw a problem. And the problem we saw was that, um, you know, sports fans weren't engaging um, in one centralized location. They were sort of bouncing around throughout uh, – you know, a variety of different platforms to talk and chat and have a conversation about the game or have a conversation about, you know, you know, your favorite player. Um, and we wanted to make something that was seamless and simple and build this fan camaraderie that we kind of, you know, um, you know, hang our head on in terms of what we offer as value for um, our user base or, or our fans. So, um, you know, we started with a sports blog and eventually transitioned into U Stadium as a mobile product. Frank, that was a great uh, start. And what I wanted to do is pick up on some things that we talked about here. First of all, uh, I think a lot of the listeners uh, would absolutely agree with you that uh, structure and you know just too much structure is one of the reasons why we become apreneurs, entrepreneurs. And I just have to say that you're lucky that you found out so early in your uh, life. Uh, it took me a long time to realize that I didn't like structure, but I was already into a career and had to give up a lot to, you know, go back into entrepreneurship. Uh, you know, how how did you end up knowing that that you you had this kind of uh, allergic reaction to too much structure? <laughs> no, it's a great way to put it. Actually, um, it, it really is. It, it almost is an allergic reaction, and I think. Um, I just didn't, I didn't like to be told what, all right, basically I didn't like to be told what to do when, and have to do something, um, when the person telling me didn't have the best way of doing it. If it was the best way of doing a particular task that I was being told to do, I was all for it. Um, assuming it was the best way of doing things, but I felt like so much of my, uh, you know, of my youth was spent doing things that coaches were telling me to do or teachers you know, were instructing me to do that I didn't feel, you know, were ideal. I didn't feel were the best way of doing things. And I almost didn't like the fact that it wasn't a, um, a reciprocal relationship where we're both, um, in a sense, building off one another to achieve a task. It was just, I'm going to tell you to do this. You'll do it my way. And if not, you're wrong or you're going to be scolded in some sort of way so i just didn't like that approach i thought that was not um the best approach of um of just of just building i thought it was very very uh deflating per se for uh for any operation whether it's a football team or a or a or a class that you're taking or whatnot um it, ju it just wasn't what i felt was 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 best so i knew that when i wanted to you know be able to start my own, own path that it would be something that 
would allow me the creative ability to sort of link with other people along the way and sort of have a relationship that, um, you know, is more about the sum of its parts, if per se. So, yeah. Well, I have to also say that uh, one of the long running themes of this show is uh, we have successful entrepreneurs who are solving problems. And you said in your story that uh, you, uh, as you were blogging, you uncovered this. Uh, a real problem with uh, sports fans not having a central repository of where to go it was all over the place and you had that problem you went out uh, to solve it did you start this whole process with your own money did you go out and raise money how did you get the U stadium you know kick-started in a way yeah it's a great question so at the time I didn't have money and um we didn't look to or, or I didn't look to raise initially and um as an entrepreneur you know the one thing that you always have in your back pocket the ability to do is um is equity so i had two things that i knew i could do i could one get someone that i felt was um a good fit for our team to be really excited about what i was doing and potentially if they had time to contribute to the team and what i could offer them in the form of compensation whether be money or percentages equity was equity so um what i did was i incorporated a company and um a delaware uh, c corporation and i just allocated percentages to different you know partners that i still work with to this day so frank uh, what i was going to ask is that uh, so you, you in a way you had uh, the really awesome idea of incorporating a company and then divvying up some of the equity within that to uh, people that you wanted to bring on board who would uh, have a stake in the future of the company but then you know without the, having to pay like a, a salary or you know so, so that's the way to get to get these things started is to meet like-minded individuals who can help move the company forward is that right Yes, exactly. Yep. Great. Okay. So then, um, the, you know, in terms of the journey then to build the app, uh, did you bring on uh, technical, I'm assuming you didn't build the app yourself, uh, coding. You, you, I'm assuming you got somebody in to do that or outsourced it. Perhaps you could talk about the, the, the actual building of uh, the U Stadium app. Yeah. So um, uh, we allocated some percentages to a programmer, Javier, and he, his uh, expertise was in back-end coding. So he was an Objective-C guy. He, um, Objective-C is a language, as you probably know, that iPhone, you know, iOS uses. So um, he was a back-end guy. So he developed a back-end. And we knew that at some point we would need some front-end code to be implemented. Even though Javier had some experience doing front-end, he was mainly a back-end guy. Um, once he, you know, came pretty far along in terms of building a backend and a server base and something that was scalable. Um, we decided to, um, you know, do some, uh, just basically we outsourced some of our front end code. And the thing about outsourcing is though, um, is there's a positive in that it's, 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 it's cheap labor and it's, you know, you wouldn't have to necessarily obviously give up any percentages to have it done, but you do need someone to sort of check over your code. So a lot of the outsource code we did on the front end wasn't the best code, but it was good enough for us to, you know, finalize some of the things we needed to do to, you know, fulfill the requirements to launch this U stadium product. And, um, you know, designing too was something else we outsourced a little bit of. I do designs myself, but I'm not a designer. But, um, you know, when you do a startup, you need to really make sure that, you know, you acquire people that have a variety of skills is important. And um, one of my skills specifically was designing that I've, I've dabbled with and I'm not 
great, but I'm good enough where you can outsource something. And then if changes need to be made, for example, moving a like arrow a little bit slightly to the left because it looks awkward where it's currently positioned. You know, if you don't know how to use Photoshop, moving it an inch to the left, you may have to go out of your way and, you know, pay again to have that done, which is a relatively simple task in the large scheme of things. So um, it was to our advantage that I sort of knew how to use Photoshop and uh, could fix up some of the designs. And as you know, designs um, interact with the front end um, in terms of, and then the front end interacts with the back end. And to, to grab from the server whatever it needs, whether it be pictures or videos and whatnot. So, um, so yeah, Javier l led the uh, led the development on the back end. We hired out a little bit on the front end and some for design. And um, and yeah, the U Stadium app was uh, was built and uh, it's currently live. It's been live for about seven months now. Um, and uh, we beta tested around a year from this time actually. So we. we, we we were actually beta testing and trying out new things. And uh, yeah, we're currently live. Well, this is great, Frank. So we're going, I'd love to get uh, into some of the specifics here because I think that the Appster tribe listening to this right now, it, it, they're lear we're learning so much from you. Uh, what I'm just to summarize, what I have learned is that you uh, managed to secure almost uh, somebody to come into the company who was a back-end specialist, this is Xavier, but uh, you had uh, outsourced the front-end development to uh, other companies and some of the design work you help with, but uh, but also outsourcing. And then you uh, did a lot of beta testing uh, before then you went to launch. How did you find the people to experiment on and, and get feedback from in the early stages? Is this friends, family, or did I'm assuming it's because of your blog that you had a good following and a good audience to to build upon? Exactly. You you hit on all 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 avenues there. Yeah, it was friends. Um, close friends, family, and, uh, you know, close fans that stuck with us from the time we started blogging till the end. And, um, you know, we had a personal relationship with them via different social networks and email addresses. So when the app was launched in beta, we were able to launch it within that community um, of friends, family, and, 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 and blog fans, and but still not, you know, um, but not launch it publicly. Because it's something, you know, when you, you have to sort of be careful of when you're beta testing is... Um, you don't want to necessarily release the product publicly. We did a very hard beta launch. We were almost we were almost live in a sense in our beta period, but we weren't. I mean, and basically the the thought process behind that was we are never going to publicly post to download or join the U Stadium app. Everything we do in terms of building a beta community, because the more people you have in a beta community, the better off it is. For example, 50 people on an app. They may not be using it enough to be interacting to really see if there's any issues or to see what can be upgraded. So you do want around at least, I would say, two, 250 people, um, you know, using a product. And to get there, it's not the easiest thing. I mean, you know, 250 people is a good you know, chunk of people to have on a product. So, you know, we, we made sure that we sent a lot of personal referrals almost to the point that fans, beta testers that we were sending this to, we would let them know. We're not live. Please don't post um, anything suggesting this is live. But they would still post on their Twitter and Facebook that you stadium, check out this app. So, um, you know, we, you have to be careful at a point. But, yeah, it was a small group of people. But um, at the end of the day, I mean, even if you do launch it, something publicly a little bit prematurely, it's not, not going to uh, it's not the worst thing that can happen to you. So, um, you know, you just want to make sure you can handle some traffic and uh, and, and the product works. Um and 
you know, f- feeding off of that a little bit. I know there's a lot of people um, or a lot going on in the tech community about this lean startup model, launch very early, even if you're not even even if you don't believe in your product, launch early and, and see what happens and see what's fixed. Um, I don't believe in that necessarily. Um, just to kind of you know, just to kind of go on a little bit of a of a tangent. I don't believe that you have to launch something prematurely and see what the fan reaction is. I mean, that's like saying you know, uh, you know, uh, cut the cut the heat on a on a pork loin roast because people are hungry and even if it's not cooked perfectly just cut it so people can can be fed um <laughs> i love that I, that's great yeah i think i think perfecting something is is, is is beautiful i think it's the essence of what i think art and creativity is i don't i don't think oh just come out with something and see if people like it and then keep tweaking it and tweaking it i mean that's that, that you're going down a similar i mean that's just as hard to do as perfecting something and seeing if it makes sense within this within the scope of what you want um so i i i think the community right now is is under this lean startup model where it's like oh just come out but it's to me i wanted to wait i wanted to wait a little bit until we perfected this being beta for a relatively long period of time as you can see a company like google's doing it with google glass i mean they're they're waiting a very long time to make this thing public so let's talk about launch because that is one of the big areas that uh, app developers want to focus on and you had this blog you had a following you had an audience you already had a community of uh, hundreds of uh, beta testers who are ready to you know download on the day of launch Uh, you know could you go back to like that first uh, week in the app store I'm assuming it's the Apple app store that you focused on initially and what was that like for you and what tips could you give to the apps that try listening to this yeah, definitely. Um, I think me and launch don't really uh, don't do too well per se. Um, I'm not the uh, to be quite honest. I'm not the best in terms of launching a product. Um, I've learned um, since uh, you know I've had a few different launches throughout my career, whether it was our blog or a show we had done or the U Stadium app. Um, I don't think I did a great job launching the products, and I think now you know if there's anything I can say about launch is that I think is important is don't just launch something in terms of your different avenues and then that's it. Just say, hey, we're live, download now. No one cares. I mean, to be quite honest, I mean, you know, your fans will care, but if you want the world to see this thing, if you want, you know, millions of people, or you know, let's say tens of thousands of people to, to react to this product and to feel it and to use it, um, just saying you're live and because what we do as, as, as entrepreneurs is we, we love our product so much that we think that almost people are waiting for it, but people aren't waiting for it. People don't know about it. So you want to make them get involved. And I think a campaign with a launch is very important. I think, and I, and I haven't done this within launching an app. I've done this with events that we've done and they've been extremely successful. So, but I do know that uh, a campaign around the launch is extremely important. Similar to, let's say, what Jay-Z did when he launched um, his CD, The Holy Grail. He did a campaign with Samsung where you'd have to go and download the Samsung app and answer some questions, I think, to download his album. I mean, make it make users do something fun and gamified. And then the result of that is you get the app and you get something with the app. I think campaigns with launches are extremely important. Um, when I first you know, had started, I thought that more avenues 
is better, is best. So more avenues means that um, there'll be more places where I could potentially hit someone's eyeball saying that this is live, and that gives me a greater chance of that user uh, or that fan becoming an app user and using my product. But I think what's important is even less avenues, but better quality um, launch perspective, if you want to call it. Give them a campaign. Give them a reason to... Um, download the product. Give them something fun to do when the product's initially downloaded. It'll really differentiate you from the 99% that just say, we're live, join now. Um, you know, well, this is a genuine yeah. show. And what we'd love to hear is the, you know, the things that we can learn from the successes and failures of our guests. And it is, it's absolutely the truth when you know we fall in love with our own apps, our own products and services, uh, but you know, people are leading busy lives and they don't care if you're live unless they're bought into it as fans. So that's, that's a wonderful tip uh, and a, a smack of reality, I think, for a lot of people listening to just remember that, you know, the world is not going to love your thing. I mean, you know, as much as you are and, and having a campaign around your app launch is, is the appropriate thing. You know, there's two things we need to do before we say goodbye, Frank. And the one is that we always try to flesh out uh, app ideas on this show and entrepreneurs like yourself always have ideas and so we could do one of two things uh, i could ask you outright do you have any other ideas that you have thought about but perhaps are not going to work on that you could share with us if you do great if not then we've got something else we could do that's like my hobby is to just talk about uh different ideas in the hypothetical i can i can definitely uh Definitely. So, uh, so give us give us one there. of your best ones then, <laughs> so, because you know, we've got just, a, we've got I mean, we've got a community to, of app you know, developers here, and you, you know, understand this is I'm in New York. We don't just give ideas for free. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. You know that, uh, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so um, I yeah, can yeah. I can give something, even if um, it's a bad idea. We don't care. We'll take anything with yeah. you can tell us. <laughs> okay, I can go through. I can go through two things uh, that I I can go to two different areas that I think are are going to be um, revolutionized in the next five to 10 years. I think one, and this isn't a surprise to many, but I think it's going to just get better and better um, in terms of quality of products in this sector is the online to offline department. I think that, um, you know, there's two bets going on per se in the tech community now. It's, are we betting that online will get more online? Let's say you and I, Paul, instead of, you know, um, doing something via audio where we don't necessarily where we aren't necessarily looking at one another right now we can go in a virtual studio today and um me go live in a virtual studio and that's where the whole oculus and uh and facebook um you know companies are are, are betting on is that the online will get more online google glass you know you go and you are able to interact with your community via some sort of online mechanism that's connected to your eyeballs i mean it's crazy stuff I think I'm not betting on that community, even though there's a lot of money, there's a lot of technology being built and it will do okay. I still think the offline department is where things are going to succeed. I think that the online products need to be um, best used to create the offline. Hi, how are you? Here's my hand. Shake my hand. Let's have a beer. Or let's have a coffee or let's um let's go on a date. You know, dating apps are exploding. So I think that, you know, once we become more comfortable with um, you know, with doing the initial interaction online, and I think that's where the app 
apps are going to go to is let's make the initial interaction as seamless and easy online via whatever medium it may be, an app, a website, and let's have a commonality being built. And then let's meet. Let's actually meet offline and let's get back to what, you know, let's get back to what really puts a smile on people's faces is when when you have a laugh with somebody at a, at a at a coffee shop or you you know go on a great date i mean you know i can't tell you how many nights i've spent on social media going back and forth and you know if you look at the utility of happiness that you receive in nights that you're spending on social media it never even gets close to what you receive having a great night one on one with a person i mean i don't need to you know tell you this you probably you know probably yeah. well aware but i <laughs> yeah, think that absolutely abs- yeah, I think that building communities of people that are having that have similar interests and then linking them offline is going to be extremely powerful in the next five or ten years. Okay, well that is a wonderful way of phrasing that whole uh, event, and I think that the Appster Tribe listening right now have enough to go on there to potentially think about new ideas. I've never uh, heard anybody frame it so. Um, just cleverly as you there Frank in terms of the online becoming more online and uh, then uh, the other bet being off online becoming uh, a little bit more um, you know in- in creative with uh, offline so wonderful uh, food for thought now the last thing is this is the app guy podcast so we do love talking about apps and finding out new apps and uh, I mean if you're um, you know, living in New York, then you must know one or two apps that you could perhaps recommend to us that you think uh, would be good discoveries. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, um, and if yeah, you have to look at your buddies. phone, I know you're, you're you're actually using your phone for the call, but if you do need to <laughs> have a have a look at it, then feel free. Oh no, no, it's cool. Um, so one of my buddies has an app. Um, good friend of mine, I actually went to uh, the same college as, as myself, Colgate, and uh, he started an app called uh, Swig. And um, Swig basically is an app where you keep track of the uh, different drink preferences that you like. For example, um, you know, I like, uh, you know, Belgian pale ales, you know, if you like gin or whatever it may be that you like. And it sort of keeps keeps track of all the different drinks that you tally across the board at bars and different venues. And uh, it gives you some recommendations that may spark your interests and uh you know it's a great app for you know wine connoisseurs and people that really enjoy the um you know the the liquor department but um it allows them a little bit more specialized uh features and and functionality to get some tastes that are uh right up their alley per se i think that's a really good um really good unique app and something that i think is uh is, is, is next gen in, in, a, in a sense, um, building community around a specific interest. So I think Swig is a great one. There's an app called, and this is not someone that I know, it's an app called To Do, T W O O D O. They are an app project management system. I have yet, I've not yet found a project management system that connects fans or excuse me connects users in a in a very easy seamless way where we can go through work stuff and 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 and, and projects and, and and basically just manage our tasks you know there are a couple out there but i don't really i'm not a big fan of them i know asana is a great one for programmers to use and i use it with my programmer but i do think that to do t-w-o-o-d-o i don't i don't even know the co-founder i've just been using it lately i think that's a really great app that guys from new york and i think that they're doing a really good job in terms of uh making it easy to uh to manage different projects and ideas within the company 
Well, that's great. And uh, for those listening, just go to theappguy.co and go to episode 221 with uh, Frank Vitterini and you'll see uh, links to the things that we're talking about there. And also would love to you know, know how best we can reach out to you, Frank. You're so inspiring. And uh, how do we best connect with you? Oh, well, I appreciate that, Paul. And to be quite honest, um, you are a great, great host. Um, I, uh, I, I used to host a Jets show with some, with some players, a New York Jets show. And, uh, you know, there's a certain good way of being a host. And you are extremely good. You, you do a great job. You keep it very succinct and uh, allow the individual to feel comfortable. And, you know, it's, uh, it's a, you do a great job before I even, you know. Uh, okay, Frank, you, you, you'll probably be the first guest to come on as a repeat guest because, uh, you know, uh, you're buttering me up. I can no, feel it. No, you do a great job. I mean, it's 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 about energy, I think, sometimes too, and I think you do a good job of making me feel comfortable to sort of get into some some deep deeper thought things, and that's that's a you know that's a tip of the hat to you. Um, yeah, if anyone wants to reach out to me, my email address is um is the best way to reach out to me. It's F, my first initial, and it's at ustadium.com, The letter ustadium.com. Um, you know, it's uh. You know, it's an open forum for me. So if you have any questions or want to hop on a quick 15 minute or 20 minute call to talk about anything, I mean, I'm uh, I'm open game. So, um, yeah, shoot me an email f at ustadium.com. And um, and yeah, hopefully I can connect with some people in the future. I would love to. Oh, Frank, it's been a wonderful time. Thanks so much for joining us on the App Guy podcast and all the best with you, Stadium. And I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of stuff coming out from you and your company uh, going forward. And uh, it's just been a terrific guest. So thank you very much. Thanks a lot, Paul, and, uh, and go the App Guy podcast. I love your show, and uh, I appreciate the, uh, the opportunity. Thank you.